Welcome to The Savvy Sauce, where we have practical chats for intentional living. I'm your host, Laura Duggar, and I'm so glad you're here. Dwell is an audio Bible app our family recently discovered, and now we love it. Dwell's mission is simple, to help you get in the Word and stay in the Word. And I think that is the ultimate practical application for intentional living. Visit dwellapp.io slash savvy to get a 20% discount today. Francie Heinrichsen is our guest today. The two of us met through a mutual friend and hit it off instantly. Francie is an entrepreneur through and through. She's going to share business and personal coaching strategies and questions for you to consider to go further, faster with your own God-given dream. Francie is a credible resource as the owner of Simply Integrated, a business consulting company. She and her team help female entrepreneurs develop the business dreams God called them to. I can't wait to share Francie and her expertise with you now. Here's our chat. Welcome to the Savvy Sauce, Francie. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Will you start us off by just giving us a little Francie 101? Absolutely. So first and foremost, I'm a Christ follower. I was born and raised here in the Midwest. I'm a wife to my husband, Hans, and a mom to my spicy two-year-old daughter, Myla. (laughs) I'm a business owner with some big dreams and goals on the horizon. And in my business, Simply Integrated, I help female entrepreneurs build and grow the successful business in their hearts. I do that in two ways. So for hopeful entrepreneurs, the ones with a business idea but who haven't yet taken action, I help them navigate through the startup phase to get their business up and running. And then for current business owners, I help optimize their online presence, which just means that I help them use their online presence to reach their business goals. I've always known that I was going to be an entrepreneur. I was born into resourcefulness. I remember asking my dad, who is an entrepreneur, what we would do if he didn't work in his business. And I remember him saying, oh, well, we would just start a taco stand without even skipping a beat. And at the time, I was too young to understand the logistics, but the message was clear. You figure it out. Um, So I think it's safe to say I left the womb with a fiery passion for making my own decisions. And I started my very first business when I was eight years old. I took a free summer sign language class at the Westfield Public Library in my hometown back in Indiana. And I came home. I used my mom's photocopier and I charged my neighborhood girl gang to take the same exact class from me. Went on to earn a master's in business from Ball State University in Indiana with the goal of opening a high-end five-star day spa, but God had different plans. I love how you ended that, just saying that God had different plans. At what point in your journey did you encounter him and choose to give your life over to him? I was raised in the Catholic Church, baptized, went through First Communion, and when it came time to do what the Catholic Church calls getting confirmed, which is one of their sacraments, I came down to my mom one day preparing for a very difficult conversation with her. She was a devout Catholic. She went to Catholic Church all through high school, and I told her I wasn't going to get confirmed, and basically that was my decision that I wasn't going to continue in the Catholic Church. And she said, Francie, I will not be at the gates of heaven when you meet Jesus. And that was profound for me to expect one reaction and then to get something so powerful really made an impact on my faith journey. And so what she said is, I only ask that you keep God in the picture, but I think it's time for you to go out on your own. And so that's what I did. And It's funny because I remember her visiting me one time in Peoria and she went to church with me and she was just in tears during church. And I asked her what was wrong. And she said, Francie, I just, I realize that you have a faith of your own. And that is just so important to me. 
So that is my story. We go to Connect Church here in Washington, Illinois. My husband and my daughter has been dedicated and we plan and pray to be parents that can connect her to a faith journey of her own someday. Well, thank you so much for sharing that personal story. Before we jump into all things business, I know from our previous conversations that, like you said, you grew up very business-minded and you never really envisioned yourself becoming a mom. My guess is this may be on the rarer side, especially for Christian women. And I don't mean to step on any toes because I know this can be a very charged topic for some. I truly just want to hear your story. What has your experience been like having a somewhat countercultural vision as a woman in the church? That's a great question. In the church, I have never had anyone speak out against having a career of my own, having goals and visions of my own. Growing up, I had a stay-at-home mom, and many of my friends had stay-at-home moms. And looking back, I very much appreciate that upbringing. And Laura, if I'm being transparent, sometimes I feel like by working, I'm taking the easy way out because I know how hard stay-at-home moms work. But you know, you're right. I never pictured being a mom myself. I had friends growing up who just knew in the core of their being that they were made to be moms, but that was just never my story. I thought that something was wrong with me at the time, but as I've grown older and I have strengthened my relationship with Christ, I've learned more about who I am. And I've come to realize that that's just not how God thread the fibers of my heart together. And I'm confident in that because I believe in the purpose he put me on this earth for. I'm very familiar with that purpose. And even when my husband and I were talking through our future before getting engaged, I said, listen, I don't know if I want kids. And if that's a deal breaker for you, we should probably just call this whole thing off. And so, of course, God put that desire in my heart when the timing was right. But before that, I never really felt a strong pull. And I recognize in some Christian communities, having a career isn't necessarily well regarded. And I'm okay with that because when it comes to living out the purpose God designed for me, I would not be living out that purpose if I allowed others' expectations to take precedence over God's plan for my life. So I hope this gives hope to members of the audience who feel the same in that regard. Maybe they feel different from the community at large and they have a dream on their heart. I think that's so helpful to engage in this conversation, and you just approach it with such gentleness. And I would love to hear more about your approach to business, and then eventually we can move into more of a coaching section where you can be our personal business consultant for a few minutes. But personally, I know that you're a lover of goals. What is your process for setting and achieving goals? Well, I was incredibly blessed with two parents who raised me to believe that I could do anything. Don't get me wrong. The mantra, C's get degrees, was very often (laughs) spoken in our family, so it wasn't perfect. But when it comes to setting goals, it's like the saying, believe you can or believe you can't. Either way, you're right. My image of what I was capable of wasn't limited by my age or gender or geographic location or any other characteristic. And that really made a profound impact on what I aimed for. It might be easy, I think, for someone listening to say, well, I didn't have that upbringing. But the truth is, believing that we can is a mindset and we can choose that mindset at any moment of the day. Yes, it's a muscle that takes strengthening, but the choice and the opportunity is ours and ours alone. So when it comes to goal setting, I think there are two really important components that shape my goals, and that's time management and accountability. Personally, I am nothing without deadlines. That means putting a date on the calendar for when that goal is going to be achieved by and then working backwards. So time management is the first piece, and then the accountability piece If you're somebody who can be accountable to yourself and follow through comes naturally, I think getting out a journal and just working through what those goals look like 
can be enough accountability, describing in detail what your life will be like with that goal in place. But if you're somebody who needs a little bit more support, I think an accountability partner or community can be incredibly empowering. But either way, just getting out a pen and writing things down, there's so much power in it. And we know statistically, we're more likely to achieve the goals that we actually write down. So I would say that is the first place where I start. I love hearing different people's approach to this. And so are there any certain questions that you ask yourself to get started? Or do you have any resources that you use to keep you on track toward those goals? Yes, I love a good habit tracker. My friend Leanne Stickle, she is a life coach and she's the one who provided me with this initially. I have one that I can pass along or if you do a quick Pinterest search, I think there's tons of habit trackers. And so basically it's just a tool where you write down whether it's spending time with the Lord every day or working out or eating healthy or drinking enough water Whatever that goal is, you write it down and then you mark the days that you actually do that. And so there's really no denying that, right? Like you did it or you didn't do it. You put an X there or you didn't. And so I think that can be great for transparency. And then asking ourselves the question of why. How does this connect to the bigger purpose? How does this connect to the bigger goals? And then having that motivation when we realize that there's a purpose behind it can also be powerful. That's huge to get to start with that bigger vision because we know without vision, the people will perish. And so that's helpful to see it as the big picture and then ways that we can break it down. Well, Francie, your abundance mindset is so apparent as you champion others and you always just assume that there's space for everyone. I'm curious to know, how did you become so celebratory of others and how can all of us grow in that attitude? Well, first of all, thank you. I really appreciate that. You know, I've experienced both sides of the coin. I have experienced more combative environments with people who seemed like they thought they had to push others' heads under the water just to keep afloat. And thankfully, I've also experienced environments where support and camaraderie were thread within the culture of the community. The more toxic environment, I think I gained the gift of perspective that I don't ever want to make others feel that way. One of my favorite, favorite quotes comes from Joe Saxton. When one of us makes a breakthrough, we kick down the wall and let others in. And that just totally resonated in my heart. The entrepreneur community tends to be just incredibly giving of support for one another with the free flow of ideas, with connections that might benefit another fellow entrepreneur, with sharing ideas and uplifting one another. Conversations tend to uncover new emerging trends and passing around tips or tricks. You know, this worked for me. Maybe you could try it in your business. And so, within the circle of entrepreneurs, you find people who understand how hard it is, how many unseen hours there are, and how vulnerable it can feel to go it alone. And that's why I find it so important to be in community with people with a similar mindset, with a similar work ethic, and who have this insatiable desire for self improvement. The last thing I want to cover with this topic is I think that there are moments in our lives that serve as pivot points that really shape our understanding about how the world works. When I first moved to the central Illinois area, there was a woman in particular who reached out to me and she said, Francie, you come with me. I'm going to introduce you to some amazing women I know. And those women are now my people They are my tribe. They are the women I called when I had my first child and didn't know what was happening. So I am forever indebted to my friend Lindsay for giving me the gift of inclusivity. She really set the tone for how you treat outsiders. And I can say that that has translated into so many other aspects of my life other than just, you know, the social aspect. John 1016 says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. 
they too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. That story is great, right? But what do we do with it? And I think as far as application goes, we have to call out our human tendency to believe that there's limited availability of good things, whether that's business success or wealth or love or intelligence. We have to remind ourselves that there's enough to go around and that other success will never, ever detract from our own. In the initiative mastermind that I run, I got serious about setting this tone and expectation for our culture and for how we come together and treat and uplift and interact with one another because I feel it's so important to rise together and share resources and just be that support piece for one another. One of my favorite things is iron sharpens iron. And to me, this means that we have to willingly seek out people with qualities we want to be more like. And then the last thing I think is we can pray to be the Lord's hands and feet, to see people as he sees them, to seek opportunities, to be a Lindsay, so to speak, what my friend was for me. We can pray to be that for other people. Exodus 23.9 says, Do not oppress a foreigner. You yourselves know how it feels to be foreigners because you were foreigners in Egypt. And so I think we can just ask ourselves, how can we be connectors for outsiders? I've never heard scripture woven together that beautifully to cover that topic of inclusivity. And I love it. That is so awesome. I'm going to reflect on that for a long time. And now a brief message from our sponsor. Dwell is an audio Bible app our family recently discovered, and now I'm excited to get to share it with you. With loads of inspiring voices, Bible translations, and original background music, you're going to love listening to scripture. Not all of our daughters are old enough to read, so we like to provide them opportunities to listen to the Bible as a way to make it accessible for each of them. I am always amazed at how much sticks with them when they're listening as they run around the playroom or do art together. But something that they've requested is to hear a female reading the Bible, and Dwell has that as one of their options. You actually get to select one of multiple voice options and listen to scripture anytime. And one of the most requested features, a sleep timer, is now available on Dwell. That means you and your family can fall asleep to your favorite books and stories of the Bible without losing your spot or draining your battery. So end your day with God's word in your ears and on your heart. You can even try it tonight. To get started with Dwell, go to dwellapp.io slash savvy to get a 20% discount. That's dwellapp.io slash savvy for 20% off an annual or lifetime subscription. So get it for yourself or gift it for someone you love. Either way, I hope you take your action step today. It sounds like there's some themes of vulnerability and community that play out in your own business. So can you share more about the roles of vulnerability and community? So my mind goes in two ways when you ask this question. First, risk is an inherent part of running a business for so many reasons. And when we talk about risk in business, most people's minds automatically assume that we're talking about the risk in the financial aspect of running a business. But what I find in consulting with clients is that the intangible risk is often a bigger deterrent to people starting businesses. Like, oh, what will people think of me if I leave my role as a stay-at-home mom and go out into the workforce? Or who am I to try to make something of myself? And you know, the number one thing that entrepreneurs share with me once we establish trust is that they feel like they're faking it. So there's a great deal of perceived risk in forging a path that's never been taken before, in putting ourselves out there to build new relationships and having to wear many hats and fill many roles that might feel uncomfortable at first, having the confidence to believe that we offer something of value that others are willing to pay for, and then backing that up to deliver on the high expectations that we've sold customers, all of these things can just feel incredibly vulnerable. 
So with that said, I believe the answer to that perceived risk, that presence of needing to be vulnerable, is to actually seek out a community of people who speak the same language. The dreamers, the doers, the ones who are willing to work 80 hours for themselves so that they don't have to work 40 hours per week for someone else. The ones who are similarly forging new territory and who can exchange ideas and gain feedback and who we can lean into during the confusing parts of running a business. There's a beautiful synergy that happens when we're in community with people who are wired like us, and that serves as a powerful force to hedge the very present perceived risk that goes with starting a business. Okay, so knowing you for a little while, you're this incredible mix of coach and consultant and cheerleader, and I think you're going to be able to motivate a lot of people to take action. So let's speak to the person who's considering how their dream could become a viable business. What guidance would you like to offer them? There's a quote that I absolutely love. It's a Stephen Pressfield quote in his book called Turning Pro. And he says, to feel ambition and to act upon it is to embrace the unique calling of our souls. Not to act upon that ambition is to turn our backs on ourselves and on the reason for our existence. And I just think that if there is a nagging goal or dream that you have on your heart, it could very well be connected to the purpose that you have. And if that's running a business, I want to offer the encouragement that the neat thing about the current business climate is the barriers to entry have never been lower for starting a business. And what I mean by that is that all that's required to build a business is right at our fingertips. It's incredibly accessible, especially a service business with low overhead costs. Most resources are free or low cost, and if we're willing to become students to what's required, the playing field is far more leveled than it ever has been before. So let me give you a couple of examples. So it's relatively simple and inexpensive to build a website and a business plan, and someone with a little bit of grit could essentially open their doors maybe in a weekend, a week. That might be jumping the gun a little bit, but it's possible. Second, the internet has made it possible to sell to anyone, anywhere in the world. And the third is that education is no longer available only through formal education avenues like earning a degree. We've moved into a space where if you want to learn it, there are free and low-cost resources right at our fingertips through the simple use of search engines. So I'm a proud student of the University of Google. I'm always quick to point out that I don't have a marketing degree And if I did, it would probably be obsolete by now. If you're willing to get scrappy and if you're willing to teach yourself a skill, that's the new master's degree because things change so quickly and being willing and able to teach yourself something is a sign that you can adapt. So with that said, I think it's really important to remind every single person listening that you have a unique purpose. You have a unique value that this world needs and God sewed that into your heart. He wired you that way. So once we're familiar with what that purpose is, there is an incredible sense of an alignment and inertia and of motivation. And for those who maybe don't know what that unique purpose is, it can feel like you're just supposed to grab it out of thin air. I remember that feeling and I've been there in my corporate job. I kept asking day after day, And thinking, there has to be more to life than this. And for those who have found it, which five or six years removed from that point in my life, I have found it. It's incredibly difficult to tear yourself away from tasks and to-dos that help you live out that purpose. I know that there are people out there nodding their heads, yes, that they have found that purpose. And there are also people out there just trying to fathom what that purpose could possibly be for them. And so I just want to encourage that with a prayerful plan, it's possible to build a thriving business doing the work God put us on this earth to do. And there's tremendous peace in allowing God to drive and direct our path forward. He'll create connections that we never could alone. He'll equip us with the knowledge and the capability that we didn't even know that we had within us. 
He already knows the end result. And if he curated a desire within us to become business owners, he will also provide for our needs just like he provides for all of our needs in other aspects. So here are a few actionable things, no matter which side of the coin you're on, that can move people closer to living out that purpose. And I think the first and foremost is to pray about it. You know, show up, spend regular time with the Lord, and ask Him to guide you on the journey. You know, if you had an opportunity to have coffee with a really well-connected, brilliant business connection, we would show up, right? Like we would prepare, we would arrive consistently, and we wouldn't just get busy and forget about it. And I think our time with the Lord is that business connection. I think prioritizing time and reading the Bible and being ready to receive his message about how we can be his hands and feet here on earth to accomplish his plan for the glory of his kingdom is that first step. We have to be willing to say, Lord, I trust your plan. Use me for your glory. Allow others to see your reflection in all that I do. And, And then we have to recognize that God will direct that path forward, but we have to be willing to lift the load. And the second thing is to connect your business to your why. So your why is rooted in your values and your priorities and how you vote with your time. And your why will carry you when the going gets tough. And then the third thing I want to touch on is to recognize and work to mitigate self-limiting beliefs. We live in a world where we're fed hundreds of subtle messages every single day about the human perception of who we are supposed to be. And it's not just in the media. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes it's in our very own circles, the people who are closest to us, including the idea that the intention to become wealthy is just selfish and self-serving. Let's just stay here for a moment then. How did you develop your opinion on wealth building and how can wrongful beliefs here actually hold us back in business? That's a great question. I think in some Christian communities, I believe that wealth has become a dirty word. I grew up in a family where generosity was a priority, and I'm so thankful for that. It wasn't always just with money, but also sometimes with time. So I saw that modeled, and it really shaped my perception of what we do with wealth. You know, I witnessed my dad very discreetly put money in the hand of someone he knew who needed it. I saw my mom tithe church, but I also saw her donate her time and give back to causes she and my dad felt were worthy causes. We grow up in a culture where wealth is so present and yet so seemingly mystical. And so there can be a lot of confusion and misinterpretation Outside my own family, my perception of wealth was impacted by a woman named Ali Casaza. Ali is a Christ follower, and after working incredibly hard with her family in a state of poverty, her business finally took off. And in telling her story, she said this, and I want to share it verbatim because I think it's incredibly powerful. She said, change your mindset about money because this world needs good people to become wealthy so they can make the impact God intends. The world needs people like you with good hearts and charitable hearts who have a passion and a mission and a message that will change the world and who will do good things with money. There are corrupt people out there with a lot of power and a lot of money. And us good guys need to get up there and match where they're at so we can counteract that and do good things for the kingdom of God and the betterment of humanity. That's an end quote. So again, I won't take credit for that because it was Allie who said those words and she was the first to really open my eyes that there's another purpose of wealth other than selfish indulgence and that is to use it for the betterment of society and for God's kingdom. You know, I recognize God is very clear that wealth can be used for destructive purposes, but he's also very clear that he created wealth for specific purposes. He doesn't just encourage us. He instructs us to pass on an inheritance to our children's children. And I also want to point out, you know, I would agree that we should not wait to be generous until we're wealthy. Truly, we need to start 
now where we are. Because having those habits in place, I think once we become wealthy from hard work and from following the path God has laid forth for us, will allow us to be even more generous when the time comes. And I've seen it in my own life, and I can promise God will compound the impact we've committed to make. Thanks to our friend Joy, the SavvySauce.com has been completely updated. And if you follow the Savvy Sauce on social media, you're already aware that we launched a new tab on January 1st titled Articles. I hope you check out these new Savvy Snacks, which are articles full of quick tips for intentional living. Check out these articles today or join our email list to have them directly delivered to your inbox. Enjoy! For someone else listening who already has their business up and running, what are your best tips for helping it grow? So any seasoned business owner knows the incredibly present challenge of finding a balance between working on and working in your business. So for those who don't know, working in your business, that's tied to tasks a lot of times that generate revenue. So if you're a service provider like I am, your time is tied up performing the actual service. So if that's power cleaning the side of a house, because that's the service you provide, you actually have to spend your time doing the service. For me, I provide search engine optimization audits, conversion optimization audits, and marketing. I'm actually spending my time creating that service. Working on your business, that's tied to the tasks that improve processes, that help it grow, but that don't typically have a direct tie to revenue generation. So it gets difficult as a business develops from the launch phase into the proof of concept phase for entrepreneurs to carry that weight and to balance those two very important but very heavy responsibilities. And so for those who already have a business, I would offer two pieces of advice, and they both actually come from a book I love called The One-Page Marketing Guide. And the first point is that struggling business owners will spend time to save money, whereas successful business owners will spend money to save time. In business, we often get so caught up in, oh, just throw it on my back. I will handle that because after all, that's how most people get their businesses up off the ground. But the catch is that after a business owner is through proof of concept, which is basically just validation that the audience is willing to pay for a product or service, Then they move into an almost never-ending phase of business of improving systems and processes to become more profitable, and that requires a very different approach than what it took to get started. So they have to be able to draw that line in the sand and look to see what value they can bring to the table and focus on that value and outsource the rest. And then the second piece of advice I have also comes from that book, and it's If you want more success, you need to start paying attention to and expand the things that give you the most leverage. So one of my favorite Day Ramsey quotes is, don't pass over dollars to pick up nickels. I also heard it said like this once, if you could buy $1 bills for 75 cents, how many would you buy? And the answer is that you would buy all of them that you could get your hands on. Successful business owners know to invest their time in the things that give them leverage. Those are the things that make the most impact. And I just want to reiterate that if we try to do everything, we end up diluting our value and ending each day absolutely exhausted. And that is when businesses become more of a burden than a blessing. So I think those who can manage and run a successful business and enjoy the lifestyle that they want to live have figured out that automate, delegate, or eliminate approach automate, delegate, or eliminate. Just to think that's worth repeating. And will you also coach us how to stay focused and keep our eyes on objective, even as it applies to this week? So I have two tools, and then I have one mindset suggestion when it comes to keeping our eyes on the prize. And the first is just a revisiting of that habit tracker to keep important things important and writing them down, having them present, being able to refer to them often is so helpful for warding off that shiny object syndrome. We can frame our 
approach to time management in the sense of, is this one of my priorities? Is this one of the things that the habits that I want to cultivate? And so I'll go back to some advice that my friend Leanne gave me. She said, miss once, but don't miss twice, because this allows enough grace to be human and then also enough accountability to create true behavior change. And the second tool I use, maybe it's more of an approach or a a task, a habit that I do, is to create the day schedule the night before. So that way I don't go to bed without knowing what my day is going to look like when my feet hit the floor the next morning. I already have a clear roadmap of what the day will look like. And as soon as I get started, I can get to work on it. And then finally, my mindset suggestion for staying focused and keeping your eyes on the objective is actually a story I heard in an open coffee club, a virtual meeting with entrepreneurs hosted here in Peoria recently, and the lesson was incredibly powerful for focus. So as the story goes, the Great Britain men's rowing team had some disappointing performances as they were approaching the rowing world championships. And so they set a really profound goal, and that was to win the gold medal at the 2000 Sydney Olympics. Have you heard this story? No, I haven't. So for two years, each member of the team fostered this intense focus on improvement in order to reach the collective goal. And they did that by changing the way that they approached preparing for the competition. So with every decision, they asked themselves, will it make the boat go faster? Each decision of each of their days was made under that lens that if it made the boat go faster, they would keep doing it. And if it didn't make the boat go faster, they would try something else. So for example, if we shave our heads, will it make the boat go faster? If we tweak the angle of our body just a few degrees, will it make the boat go faster? If we refrain from going out on the weekends, will it make the boat go faster? And they analyzed every small detail in their day-to-day. And it, in fact, impacted their performance that they went on to win the gold medal at the 2000 Olympics. So I think we can ask, what is that version of will it make the boat go faster for us in our own lives? And what are we trying to achieve? And is our behavior supporting that? So the last thing I want to touch on, something I love talking about, is the use of our most precious resource, which is our time. And I always say we vote with our time. We tell the world what matters to us with each day-to-day activity that we invest our time into. So are we voting for success or are we voting for average? Because if we have dreams and goals in our hearts, the difference between achieving those goals and not achieving those goals is in the day-to-day, the moment-to-moment prep and thought processes that we invest our time into. And I just want to elaborate on that because we're all about equipping people to apply what they're learning. And I love these resources that you're bringing to life. And I'm also going to put a link in the show notes. I can't remember if it was episode 115, maybe, with Shante Grant, where she goes into some really practical application of how we can plan for our next day the night before, just to kind of elaborate on what you were saying. Oh, I love that. But let's also get even more tactical for a moment. What are your pro tips for SEO optimization, digital marketing, and social media management for someone who does own their own business? Yes. So my top two pro tips are actually not technical at all, and they're actually very simple in nature. So they're the concepts of identifying your ideal client avatar, which is basically just becoming very familiar with who buys your product. And then the second one is the buying cycle. So let's talk about the client avatar for a second. The neat thing is when we're operating businesses online, we are moving closer and closer to transparency, data, and analytics. They're right at our fingertips. So it can sound really scary until we actually dig in. But the cool thing is we get to stop guessing and we get to start using the actual data to make decisions. So almost every business decision ties back to who buys your product. Laura, who's listening to 
your podcast? Who is it that needs marketing services from my business? And as the saying goes, when you try to sell to everyone, you end up selling to no one. And the reason is because you dilute your value. You cannot craft a message that breaks through the noise or that speaks directly to who's most likely to buy your product if you don't know who they are. So let me give you a very simple example. When it comes to information, the way men's brains are wired, they want to know about the technical and logistic aspects of a product or service. So if it's a new TV, they want to know all about the technology upgrade, how it operates, and exactly what about that remote walks the dog, right? Women's brains, on the other hand, they tend to want to buy products based on the question, what can it do for me and for the people I love? So they don't care about how it works. They would rather know how it improves their lives. And keep in mind that women have over 70% of the buying power. They tend to make the decisions for the family, including groceries, clothing, cars, pest control. You know, all of this to say the word choice that I would use in an ad to target a woman is going to be very different from the word choice I would use if I were speaking to a man. So once we know who actually buys our product, then we present that message specifically to resonate with how they make buying decisions, and we present it where they already spend time online and in person, but we cannot make those decisions unless we know who we're selling to. So that concept ties in very tightly with the second core foundational tip that I have, and that's to understand the concept of what we call the buying cycle. So the buying cycle basically just describes how people come to make a buying decision. Very simply, People move through four phases and they go from learning about the business to then being a repeat customer. And if we only meet them with messages that sound like, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, then we miss the opportunity to set the foundation for a really strong relationship with them in the beginning and present information that helps them come to know, like, and trust us as a business. So by knowing who your customer is and then by understanding that journey or that pathway that helps them make a decision, that's how we can differentiate our businesses from others' businesses and we can help answer the question why they should buy from us. So whether it's SEO or social media marketing, paying for Facebook ads, building out a website, I always, always start with first identifying that ideal client avatar and then recognizing what the buying cycle looks like because that will inform all decisions going forward. That's so great to hear because I was expecting maybe a more technical answer, but I think you've given us a great place to start. And again, kind of referencing that episode before with Shante Grant, she was saying that she cares more about the lives rather than going after the dollar. And not to be mistaken, the dollar and the lives are connected, but we want to make sure our focus is in the right place. And I hear you echoing that concept. Do you have any questions you recommend we ask ourselves to intentionally take our brand or our God-given dream further, faster? I think it's really empowering to develop an awareness about how we are wired as individuals and embracing it rather than denying it or trying to cover it up. It can actually be key to our success. So Laura, your podcast episode with Holly Girth, I think it was 109, is an incredible place to start. And I already knew that I was an introvert, but I learned so much about myself from listening to that episode. I think especially those in the corporate setting might be able to relate that there are a lot of messages about the mold that we're supposed to fit into to be regarded as valuable in that space. And for so many people, that mold doesn't align with how they're naturally wired. So they have to make this choice to change themselves to be accepted. And it's not just about people liking you. It's not a popularity contest. It comes down 
to things that impact our livelihood and our well-being, right? So sometimes it's about getting that raise or promotion or getting the job in the first place, or even getting fired because you don't fit the mold. And so I challenge the audience to put this into an actionable perspective. Maybe it's a performance review that you're too much of a perfectionist, or that you keep to yourself too much, or that you talk too much during meetings. And I challenge them to look to see how they can use those things to their advantage. So whatever messages you've been sent about not meeting the standard, reframe them, reframe those thought processes and ask yourself how those qualities can work to your advantage. So if it's being a perfectionist, reframe that negative connotation to realize you actually take a lot of pride in your work and it means that you care. If it's that you talk too much, Consider how you can carefully craft your message and deliver it to the masses. And if it's that you're too quiet, rest assured that there's power in collecting your thoughts before you speak. The world often has a very different message about who we should be than who God sees us as. And embracing each of the qualities he handcrafted can be incredibly empowering for chasing the dreams that he sowed into our hearts. I think that is so well said. I love it. Your first book is about to come out, so will you give us a teaser of what to expect? Yes. So this book is an answer to a struggle that I had when I started my business, and I think my experience is so similar after talking with so many entrepreneurs over the last five years that struggled to find the resources they needed to understand what the process should look like. So... This book will be a journal, a roadmap for women who want to start businesses, and it will guide them through the process of getting started and launched. So they will be able to record their thoughts and their vision of what that business is going to look like so that when it comes time to launch, they will have everything they need, including their business plan, their marketing plan, their brand standards, all of the things that they need to launch successfully and to hit the ground running will be included in the journal. Well, I can't wait for everybody to get their hands on that resource. And in the meantime, Francie, where can listeners connect with you online? The best place to go would be my website, which is simplyintegratedllc.com. And the reason why is because I have tons of business-focused blog posts and free download guides, templates, resources for current and hopeful entrepreneurs. And then also, I would love to start a one-to-one conversation. They can use the contact form to reach out and connect through email, or we can jump on a call. I would just love to hear their story and hear that dream that was sewn into their hearts. Thank you for making that so easily accessible. And you know that here we're called the Savvy Sauce because savvy is synonymous with practical knowledge. And as my final question for you today, what is your Savvy Sauce? Laura, you know I love your podcast and I especially love to hear what your guests say about this question. But what's funny is I had to ask my husband. I was a little bit stumped about what my own Savvy Sauce is. So I asked Hans. And without skipping a beat, he said, oh, that's easy. Your savvy sauce is connecting people. And I think he's right. So whether it's connecting to contractors to potentially work together or running masterminds or networking events, that's what I love is to bring people together for a common purpose. And most often that purpose is to encourage them to chase the dream that God sowed into their heart. And you can't see us if you're the listener right now, but I am enthusiastically nodding along in agreement. And Francie, just from this short time that we've known each other, it's been a joy to witness you engage so warmly with every person you encounter. You are a well of encouragement, giving it out so freely and authentically, yet never seeming to run dry. Thanks for sharing your savvy ways with us today. I loved getting to host you as my guest. Thank you, Laura. One more thing before you go. Have you heard the term gospel before? 
It simply means good news, and I want to share the best news with you. But it starts with the bad news. Every single one of us were born sinners, and God is perfect and holy, so he cannot be in the presence of sin. Therefore, we're separated from him. This means there's absolutely no chance we can make it to heaven on our own. So for you and for me, it means we deserve death and we can never pay back the sacrifice we owe to be saved. We need a savior. But God loved us so much, he made a way for his only son to willingly die in our place as the perfect substitute. This gives us hope of life forever in right relationship with him. That is good news. Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live and died in our place for our sin. This was God's plan to make a way to reconcile with us so that God can look at us and see Jesus. We can be covered and justified through the work Jesus finished if we choose to receive what he has done for us. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to take our place. I pray someone today, right now, is touched and chooses to turn their life over to you. Will you clearly guide them and help them take their next step in faith to declare you as Lord of their life? We trust you to work and change the lives now for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are declaring him for me, so me for him. You get the opportunity to live your life for him. At this podcast, we are called Savvy for a reason. We want to give you practical tools to implement the knowledge you have learned. So you're ready to get started? First, tell someone. Say it out loud. Get a Bible. The first day I made this decision, my parents took me to Barnes & Noble to get the Quest NIV Bible, and I love it. Start by reading the book of John. Get connected locally, which basically means just tell someone who is part of the church in your community that you made a decision to follow Christ. I'm assuming they will be thrilled to talk with you about further steps, such as going to church and getting connected to other believers to encourage you. We want to celebrate with you too, so feel free to leave a comment for us if you made a decision for Christ. We also have show notes included where you can read scripture that describes this process. Finally, be encouraged. Luke 15.10 says, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The heavens are praising with you for your decision today. If you've already received this good news, I pray that you have someone else to share it with today. You are loved, and I look forward to meeting you here next time.